This is Kelsey, and we're back with Quartercast. I'm here with three fourths of the uh, the Undercroft Collective. Hello. Um, so let's start. Can we go around in the circle and say your name and maybe just like a super quick thing about like what you do, so people can recognize your voice and get an understanding of of who you are. Um, let's start with you. Let, let's start over here then. Uh, I'm Sean McFarland. I'm a composer and a guitarist, and I do a lot of the sound things at the Undercroft. Great. I'm Chris Belkis, and my day-to-day life, I'm a software developer, but um, I'm just a, I'm just a person here at the Undercroft in general, I think. Uh, I'm Stephanie Joyle. I use they/them pronouns. I am a comedian, and I care about the space a lot. So <laughs> this is like, I've honestly moved more away from comedy and more into this kind of community work and I feel really good about it. Yeah. So let's walk through some of the history. We were talking about this a little bit uh, before we started recording. Um, So what was the genesis of Undercroft? Like, how do we get here? Mm. Yeah. Um, Well, so yeah, there's kind of two separate histories. Um, One is that Sean and I met at Charm City Art Space, which was a DIY venue uh, so sort of also a collective, a loose collective that operated in Station North from 2006 to 2016 or even yeah. earlier than that. I and think. you were heavily involved with that, right? And actually, is that where we met? I, yeah, I, yeah. I yeah. think I booked or ran a show that for a band that you were in. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was pretty heavily involved the last four or five years there. So I only moved to Baltimore in 2009. But... Um, yeah, 2011 to 2016, I was there a lot. And then when it closed, uh, Sean had been involved for a few years. And we moved all of our equipment out and just had it in storage. And me and Sean and a couple of other people were looking for a new location for a long time. And basically, by the time Steph's story is going to come into the picture, we had essentially given up. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you want to add anything to that? Um, yeah, I was I was at Charm City Airspace for a long time, but wasn't involved in the like activity or managing or running any process of it until way later. Um, and yeah, I kind of um, spearheaded the campaign to start a new similar arts organization that was a little bit above board, but we were yeah essentially unable to find the. Um, space with the uh, square footage and price requirements that we were looking for. Sure. And then... Hey friends, pardon the interruption. I just wanted to come in and explain what's going on here. So about this time in the recording, Steph had a horrible, horrible coughing fit. Poor thing. Uh, They were totally fine. And uh, when he comes in, it kind of is going to sound like they've been crying. That's not the case. Wasn't that kind of interview. It's all good. I just wanted to jump in real quick and explain because I just edited that whole thing out. Anyway, quick edit point and back to the show. In 2016, I'm doing stand-up in Baltimore. And this is really when people, at least in comedy, I mean, in other, like, in many other media they're talking about this, but people in comedy really started to talk about 
harassment and discrimination and assault and abuse in the scene. And I, you know, uh, there was an incident at a venue in Baltimore and I, they promised that they would implement a harassment policy after that. And after about six months, I followed up with them to help them follow through on that promise. And it was pretty difficult. <clears throat> they had sort of, because people had started to have that conversation, it was sort of a PR move to say that they would implement it, sure. but they didn't really care. And when I started researching those policies and the way that venues operate and the way that people build spaces to be better equipped to handle the inevitable conflict that happens when strangers and people who are not strangers come together, <clears throat> um, you know, I forgot what kind of syntax I used to start the sentence. <laughs> so I, when I started to do that research, I started to realize like the real solution to it was <clears throat> to try and open my own space. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I knew I didn't want to run it alone, but I didn't know who wanted to do that with me. So I just kind of started the wheels turning. Uh, but that was summer of 2016. I was like, oh, I should try and open a space. Then uh, that idea was sort of latent as I did a little bit more research and just listened to more of my friends' experiences and saw stuff online and experienced things myself. Um, I came out as trans, I got out of an abusive relationship, and then in December of 2017, I was living around the corner from Church of the Guardian Angel and I saw that the quote undercroft of Guardian Angel was for rent and I had never been down here but I was friends with Pastor Alice and um, with some of the members of the vestry of Guardian Angel just from serving them coffee for years <clears throat> so I had quit my job and I had a lot of free time, so I was like, can I view the Undercroft? And I came down here and saw that it had this gorgeous stage and all of this space, and it was equipped for, it had been a Head Start program before, so it was mm -hmm. like equipped for children. And I wrote a proposal to them for a community arts space. That would be a like, sober all-ages space. And they really liked it. And they approved it and gave me pretty significantly discounted rent for the idea that there would be community engagement as well as space for artists. And shortly after that, so in the late winter, early spring of 2018, um, <clears throat> my friend was like, you should, oh, you're opening a space, you should talk to the old Charm City Arts Space folks. And I was like, what's the Charm City Arts Space? Because I had never been. And so I was introduced to Chris. And then through Chris, I was introduced to Sean. And they were like, we want to do this. We've had experience running this kind of venue. We still have all of this gear and all of these like policies and everything. And like, this is how we've operated. Yeah. Let's do it. So 
we joined forces and I think you became like Chris kind of came officially on board by the end of the summer yeah. or the fall. And then Sean came on shortly thereafter and it's definitely a like joint effort. Uh, now, had you been involved? I know comedy was, I've, I've seen you perform comedy when, uh, when Brain was doing a set and, and you're very yeah. good at that. Oh, thank you. Uh, but so have you been involved in the music scene beforehand or is this kind of like the first foray into that? No, I mean, I went to, I was not part of the DIY scene growing up, um, but growing up in LA, my uh, good friend was like always in bands. So we would go around to like the 18 and under night in the back room at the Roxy and stuff. Uh, So that had been a part of my life. And then it was sort of latent, but I was like always involved in the performing arts. So even if it wasn't comedy, it was like theater or like film or something. So, and then when I was in Baltimore, uh, just like having more friends in bands and going to shows and just it being such a like big part of the social life, it was pretty easy to see the like need for a space that could have a little bit more like resiliency, especially in the face of all of the, um, DIY venues being reported after yeah. ship. Yeah, that's pretty awful. So when this, uh, 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 Chris and Sean, when this opportunity came up, what was it like on your end? Like, were you were you guys 100% ready to jump on the chance? Or was it more like, um, were there some things you had to work through, some reservations, that kind of thing? Or I wasn't sure because the, the weird thing was, I was sort of like, um, especially after Sean moved, we were both like, uh, we both had all of the equipment, but it didn't really belong to us. We were just kind of holding it on behalf of whatever potentially the new Charm City art space was yeah. going to be. So I wasn't sure kind of what, and we had like some, some leftover money and stuff like that. And I wasn't sure like what we would, you know, what people would say about that. But, you know, uh, it kind of turned into that, um, the people that still wanted to be involved were okay with um, kind of with that them. becoming part of what we were doing here. Yeah, actually, if you don't mind, if we can digress down that, because it, the uh, Charm City Art Space was a collective, so the equipment you have that was owned by the collective, or like, so, so can you elaborate a little more on how you dealt with that, like the, the ownership aspect of, of things? So... As far as like the equipment that we had left out, basically whatever, when we moved out of the old location, whatever wasn't, I guess, trash or too heavy to take with us, we put in the storage space in Remington. And it sat there for two years, two and a half years. A long time. It's yeah. a long time. And uh, I, I guess by that point, it was just, it was, you know, no. there are a couple things here that still technically belong to other people, but they haven't. You know, they they know it's here, right? So um, the only the only like major thing that I can think of that like left us that was like a very clear part was like the the Maryland flag black flag stripes <laughs> yeah, that yeah, were yeah. at the space. Yeah, those are at like celebrated, celebrated summer. summer now. Oh, um, at least somebody still has that yeah. displayed. Yeah, I always love that going in there and seeing those. And we have the. Um, I still have just because I 
I'm weirdly sentimental, although I should just put it up somewhere, the, um, the old flag that was behind the stage. Mm, yeah. Charms to your art space flag. There's, there's some like Charms to your art space branded stuff that felt weird bringing here, but sure. maybe if we, um, we have an idea for a zine library, so maybe if we have an idea, maybe someplace like this would be a good place to hang some of that stuff up. You have like an archive kind of yeah, thing. Exactly. <laughs> that'd be cool. That's, I would love that. Yeah. I, like, I really want us to do that. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Um, okay, so what are we up to? So, um, yeah, so, so when did the space actually open? Uh, uh, talk to me about that. We had a soft opening in June. So that's when we started. So Red Wagon was, so there's another uh, component to this. Red Wagon uh, was started by uh, Celeste Perilla and Angie Schaefer as like a nonprofit startup to be co-working space for parents with kind of childcare attached. So the parents are there. Um, and so they were also, I was walking Angie's dog at the time, and then we found out that she was looking for space for Red Wagon, and the Undercroft was looking for like a kid-friendly component, um, but like we didn't have the resources to set that up yet. So we brought them in and they were renting the side of the main stage room that you see set up now. So we, set them up and we opened red wagon programming in june and then our first show was july 8th which was punk's picnic last year so it happened all pretty quickly yeah 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 it did, i guess it did happen pretty quickly and i met you in like april yeah so and then the fundraiser was in may yeah we had a fundraiser <laughs> at the auto bar in may and it was a downpour that night so but we still had a decent turnout yeah, it was pouring rain on a Tuesday remember. night. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Um, Tuesday night yeah. at the auto bar in pouring rain and you still got a good turnout. That's that's a testament to... It was like to... decent. Yeah. <laughs> it was decent. It was, a, it was a not immodest number yeah. of people. And that's when we first met. Yeah. It was that night. Yeah. Because Chris was like, you should come to the auto bar to talk to Steph about this thing. Yeah. And then I did. Yeah, and it was... It was great. I mean, the, the fact that, like, Chris and Sean and I were strangers before this is sort of bizarre. Yeah. But also, like, we just walked into this, like, collective relationship being like, we share almost identical goals. <laughs> Let us work together now, which was great. Yeah. Well, it's, I was going to ask. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. Uh, I was going to ask because it sounds like this space reminds me a lot of what I, my impression of what the goals of Charm City Art Space were. Um, so, yeah, so so I, I get the sense that everyone was on the same page, but were there any things that you kind of had to work out or any, any uh, how do I want to put it, maybe in a more diplomatic way? Are there any, like, differences of opinion that kind of shaped this project to maybe be a little different than Trump City Art Space? Or? So I, one thing I would say is that I, I definitely don't like represent the Trump's Space because sure. there are so many people involved. Yeah. But like what I wanted from it and what I wanted to get out of it, I I sort of brought here. I'd say the only there, there weren't disagreements, but there were some questions early on for me when I first met Steph about like how like I felt uneasy for it being in a church. Like sure. just from like uh, I don't know I I mean I had reservations about it but uh, you know I've been proven all my reservations have been proven wrong. <laughs> yeah. So do you have any kind of art space 
specific uh in in differences of building opinion no i think that like we were saying before that that was like a very surprising thing was that there really was not much at all that we had to um, there was a lot to discuss but we didn't really debate about any policies or ways going forward um it's a very rare thing yeah <laughs> i think the one of the big things two things that i think we had an opportunity one thing we had an opportunity to do here that we couldn't really do at the art space just because it was in a dark old garage was have things that weren't just music events um, and it being like nicer and brighter and having a lot more space in here we have the opportunity to do that and uh, I were you Steph interested in the dry space angle before we had even talked. Yeah, so I think yeah. that's a big yeah. part of something mm -hmm. that all three of us wanted to do. Now, that was obviously part of the planning. Is that also by necessity, since this is a church, I would imagine? <laughs> like, um, it was... It was never part of the conversation, was it? Like, was that something that they said to you? Like, oh, you can do this, but no alcohol? Like, it was something that we kind of yeah, all these wanted. Are, these are wanted great questions. Yeah, the church, I don't even think explicitly asked for that. Oh, really? But that was part of what I wanted to see in a space that could like, you know, handle conflict was that people who were walking in the door were like much more able to just be present. Yeah. And like be, it's like really hard to be mindful when you're a little bit out of your mind. Right. <laughs> That's like, a perfect way to put it. Yes. Um, so, uh, you know, making sure that one, like, it's really hard to have all ages shows if you have alcohol. Mm -hmm. um, two, like, I have a lot of friends who've gotten sober and spaces for them to be that are, like, social and open in the evening are pretty rare. And, um, you know, that makes insurance easier. It makes just handling people easier. Yeah. And it makes survivors feel a lot safer when they know they're not gonna like run into their ex while they're like fucked up right. and like much more likely to start something it's very true it's very true yeah so um uh what was i gonna ask so i like i don't even know of many other all ages dry spaces in baltimore like are there any that you guys are aware of or is this kind of i, I... yeah man no, but I, <laughs> right. I, it's, I think it's definitely like, possible, but I, it's, it, they're not on my... Yeah, on maybe like some house show kind of situation, but I think this might be the only venue. We, I think that explicitly both all the time, I think we're the only one. Mm. That I know of. Yeah. If yeah. there's someone else out there, they should send us an email because we'd love to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and, and if you reach out to me, I'll add that in because we don't want to leave you out. But <laughs> yeah. Um, now, so from your perspective, the all-ages drive-venue situation, what has that meant for your musical goals here? I, I worded that weird, but I think you know what I mean. <laughs> like, as far as, like, the... What you want, what, what kind of music projects you want to see here? What kind of vision you have for this as part of the musical landscape in Baltimore? Like, how is that having that specific kind of venue affected that, shaped that? So it's interesting because I was one of the notes I took when we started talking was kind of what my vision was before we started and like where we are now. But kind of 
the where we came from at the art space there was a lot of punk and hardcore shows yeah. and you know growing up in going to DIY punk and hardcore shows I think those genres are more used to not having like being in dry spaces or not having alcohol at shows it's it's funny because a lot of people would think the exact opposite yes. about punk and hardcore music. I get that a lot. Like, um, if people think that I'm, like, I've played punk music and people just think you're, like, a heroin addict or something. Like, yeah. sorry, go ahead. But, uh, that being said, we, we don't have very many punk and hardcore shows here just because we have, um, some, like, soundproofing things we're still working on. But, um, as far, I mean, we have, uh, we've had different genres here. We don't, I don't think we target genre as much yeah to, to answer your question ideally like the musical landscape and a sober space are independent of each other but obviously that isn't the case like lots of metal fans that want to drink will have a hard time going to a sober space for shows but i think just by creating that option like having a metal show where there is no drinking enables the idea for that sort of musical landscape to shift that way, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So trying to create the uh, inter, um, what's the word? Uh, kind of separating those yeah, things. Trying, trying yeah, to create a separation between those things that are somewhat interdependent. Right. Like, uh, you know, a metal show without alcohol, you can't imagine that if it doesn't exist. And so, you know, if you make it exist, then it can be a thing. Is that exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Have you oh. booked metal shows here at all? <laughs> uh, I don't... More screamo no. than metal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there, was, there was that, um, there was that, like, uh, that kind of doomy show with the husband and wife from like oh yeah dundalk-ish hometown girl hometown girl yeah. oh I they've would, been on this show they're really good I yeah would, i would call that a metal show that was a metal show yeah. yeah also it's worth noting that like charm city art space was a music venue and this is a an arts like more trying to be broader spectrum art space so we get the most requests for music mm -hmm. because it's just like what people are doing more um but we've had poetry readings. We have a book reading coming up. Um, we, workshops. We've been workshops. Um, so it's also like, there's obviously like mostly music, at least that's like what's most visible, but it is not the only thing we do. Um, and we really like having like all different kinds of stuff. And so being a sober space for that is really nice too, because then people can have a sober space for like, a poetry night like there's been the poets are so good at like setting the mood they'll like <laughs> hang up fabric and ivy and like set up mood lights and someone will have like a homemade kombucha and then everyone like sits on the ground while they read and you're like i'm so relaxed yeah. you know and like having a sober space for that is really really nice because it has this like it can have a very like intimate environment without feeling like claustrophobic yeah that, that, that's hard to picture like in a bar kind of situation yeah. Yeah. for sure and i think that being a sober space has enabled shows like that to yeah happen. is there any kind of programming that you'd like to see that you haven't had yet chris is I, nodding so i yeah. was going to i was just going to say that we we definitely would love to have things that aren't like music as much like we're we're we have the space we're here during the day we would like to like we've had like we've had workshops and and teaching stuff before, uh, you know, a little bit of them. We would love to have more stuff like that. 
other, you know, even like vending fairs and stuff like that we've talked about. We just haven't gotten a lot of people looking for that yet, but the space is available yeah. for that and we can... Yeah. My, um, oh no. my favorite idea that we brought up the other day that I, we really just haven't done yet is a film screen. Oh, would, wow. I'm kind of surprised you guys haven't done one yet. Yeah, yeah. We, got, we got the room. We have projectors around, not owned by us yet, but yeah, it's definitely possible. Yeah. And also, like, being able to, it takes a little bit more work to orchestrate, but bringing in other organizations to do, like, training and education, um, you know, like, things like cop watch, especially, like, if you're a white person, like, what to do when you see someone pulled over by the police, like, how to administer Narcan, things like that. Um, Those would be great. Yeah, like we really really cool to provide more information and more resources to people here as well yeah those would be good things to see hopefully that kind of gets organized yeah but uh, yeah it's really a matter of uh, time and energy (laughs) so that's that's the trick is getting the basics done so that like we can start to really build that stuff more well, um, actually, okay, I have a question of mine, but before we get to that, uh, have have you guys had comedy shows here? Is that is that in the works? Mm-hmm. We've had one. <laughs> it was uh, me and Marceline Ray, and it was really fun. I was it was very successful. Yeah, it. Uh, thank you. It was. I was so nervous about it because yeah. uh, I also had not done comedy in a long time because I had really thrown myself into this project. Sure. And a lot of people came, and it was really nice. Uh, we sort of did an unconventionally formatted show, <laughs> but it was really, really fun. And I, I maybe I don't know. People really don't want to see comedy sober. You want to talk about, oh, talk about uh, a dry space? Like comedians don't want to be sober at all like not <laughs> even a little bit and you're talking daily life not just for sure yeah and like the audience doesn't really want to be sober either uh, i didn't um, think about that but that's the whole two drink minimum thing like that's yep. yeah, yeah. No. wow like, comics don't want to get up in front of a sober and <laughs> clear-eyed audience because <laughs> it's yeah it's a special it's a special kind of resounding silence uh if your joke doesn't land um, in just a large, empty, dry room. So, you know, we haven't gotten a lot of requests for that. People yeah. aren't uh, chomping at the bit to do comedy. Just load people up with kombucha. It'll be fine. That's the kind of like really strong kombucha. Yeah. You just have to eat the scoby. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> oh, it's the stuff of nightmares right there. <laughs> Everyone's just like, <laughs> that that about sums up my comedy. Um, oh no, in the best in the best way possible. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it would be cool. Um, I would love to. I think I would like to see more like workshops mm-hmm. um, and like maybe an open mic for the people who typically do not feel safe in comedy rooms. Yeah, that would be great. That would be great. Um, so what I had in mind is uh, just if, if someone wants to get involved with this project, what are the best ways for them to do that? We're, we're, we, did, we did it for two months, and then we, I think we're, we're skipping July, but we had some sort of 
open house type events where people come talk to us um, and we kind of give an intro to what we're doing. Um, I think we're, we're going to try to do that maybe at least every other month, if not yeah. every month. And But also, um, you can message us on, uh, we prefer email. We have an email on our you know, booking at the undercroft.org, but um, you know, just, just message us. We can give you the information. Come to a show. Yeah, we... Um, yeah, come to a show and talk to us. Yeah, we've recently had uh, just people come to shows and say, wow, this is a really great thing and want to get involved and that there are volunteers next week. Oh, that's great. Really yeah. great. So if you follow us on Facebook or Instagram, then you'll like see our events and also see when we post sort of a volunteer open house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just shoot us a message if you're interested. If there's like a kind of show you want to see or put together, we don't have like requirements on, for the most part, we don't ask you to like prove why you should be the person to put something together. That's sort of the point of DIY mm-hmm. is that like you you can do it yourself. <laughs> please, please do it. Yeah, we just met with someone yesterday that had kind of said like, I want, you know, they wanted to have a specific, they wanted to see a specific type of show, but they weren't, they didn't see it in Baltimore. They saw it, I think, in like DC and Philly and New York, and mm-hmm. they wanted to book it here, but they hadn't done Organizing before, before yeah. the show, so yeah, we we're available we as a resource that. for that. Yeah, yeah. see that happen. Kind of guiding people through it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I've never opened a space before. Like, <laughs> you know, right? Like, well, what's, me, me neither, technically. Yeah, but like, what's you know, what's the authority on it? Like, there's always going to have to be a first time. Yeah. Actually, that's kind of interesting. So we kind of gloss. You, you you talked about this a little bit, but I feel like we maybe glossed over. It, what was the moment when you were like, I, you know, we can make this a space? Like, when was that? When did that click for you? Like, you saw it uh, available, but... I mean, it was really that I saw the sign. So I saw the sign for the Undercroft, but it was when we took a tour of the space. Um, and I was here with my roommate, Lila, at the time. My roommate at the time, Lila. And we came down in Craig Bettenhausen, uh gave us a tour and we walked downstairs and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, this whole thing is down here and has been the whole time. Like, well, it's crazy that the stage is like already set up for yeah. for shows and performances. Yeah. So it was really seeing the space because I had never seen it before that really uh, opened that door in my mind where I was like, oh, cool. And then I said, here's the idea. And I told Craig up front, I was like, I don't have any funding and right now. I am just a very uh, motivated individual, <laughs> but it won't be just me soon. I promise. <laughs> like, Question and, mark. And Guardian Angel is literally so cool that they were like, great. That sounds like a great idea. How can we help you? So Guardian Angel deserves a lot of credit for making this possible because they were like, that is a good idea. You should try it. Send us a proposal. And I was like, what is a business proposal? Uh, And I was like, hypothetically, people will give us money and then we will pay it to you for rent. Here are some ideas about how money could move around between people. And they were like, great, cool, let's do it. And I was like, oh. Okay. Yeah, let us let us 
do it. That's awesome. Uh, so that's, I mean, it really like, it was a, I guess a matter of like very big ideas and enough will. And then also the space being like, yes, come occupy the space. How can we facilitate that? Yeah. You know, they, they deserve a lot of credit for that. Yeah, that's great that they were so helpful. Can you elaborate a little more on the financial stuff? I think that might be helpful for certain people. Um, yeah, so like how did the, the business aspect come together? So yeah, we do not operate for profit. Uh, right now we are a sponsee, a fiscal sponsee of Fusion Partnerships. And the way that we are able to sort of meet our operating costs is through rent, renting the practice space to musicians, um, to we were renting the the like daycare side to Red Wagon, um, and then from shows and um, private rentals of the space because there's not a lot of like traditional stages like this anymore. So we've actually had quite a few requests to film here. Oh, and really? when people cool. want to operate, or like when people want to use the space privately, if it's not like open to the public, then we'll ask for sort of like a flat rental um, rate, which is definitely below market. Yeah, it's way cheap compared yeah. to the uh, square foot yeah. opportunities that are available elsewhere in the city yeah so but we do ask for that when it's not open to the public um and so that's like a large part of how we pay our expenses and then um donations uh very kind donations that's good and yeah but we're hoping to expand on that yeah so looking forward to the future um we talked a little bit about the kind of events you'd like to get in here but so what else is there on the horizon um I don't know if there's any like expansion or anything you have in mind, but like uh, uh, any any little tidbits about your future plans. So we've been making gradual improvements. Yeah, everything is is very very small and gradual, one thing at a time sure. sort of deal because there's just the three of us in our spare time trying well, to now the four so, of us now the four of us in our spare time trying to make all these changes happen. Um, I mean, we're we're bulking up the the sound system. Yeah, sound sound system improves uh, slowly yet surely, which is really nice. Um, the next thing on the horizon seems to be soundproofing things, so mm. that we can have or be more comfortable having uh, louder shows, which is exciting. Mm -hmm. We're so we we talked a little bit about volunteers, but we've been you know trying to work bring more people on board to kind of spread the work a little better so we have more time to focus on individual things and people that can um, you know take over some of the show running aspects mm. um, yeah uh, we have a piece of paper behind us that we're using for <laughs> <rides>. <laughs> it says policies conflict sobriety booking <laughs> yeah I mean I guess racial equity that's a good one yeah. Accessibility, another good one? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I mean, <laughs> I, I know my long-term goal, <laughs> but uh, I don't, like, there's, right, there's sort of, like, shorter-term goals, right? So soundproofing, especially dealing with our door, our <laughs> uh, <laughs> it often it often feels um, that we are in like an ebb and flow state where when we have time to make 
really great improvements. It's really awesome, and then we do that, and then it's uh, kind of the ebb is keeping and maintaining all of the things that we're working on and doing right now. Sure. Yeah. And it feels currently that we're in that state where we've made quite a bit of improvements recently, mm-hmm. um, like our lighting outside and our sound system. Yeah, our lighting outside is actually really great. Um, That's such a tremendous victory to not have to And uh, the, way, the way that we've organized the practice space is, is changing. Um, and so now, at, like, at this point in time, it feels that, that we're sort of spending the majority of our energy trying to keep everything above board and get all of our volunteers to onboard and help out in that mm. task. Cool. Yeah. Having, a, having monitors would be really nice. We're inching closer to that, too. Oh, that'd be a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I guess uh, we can wind things down a little bit. Um, I always end with a similar. I always, always, always end this show with a similar question. But uh, before we get to that, is there any anything we didn't get to that you want to talk about, or any other information you want to make sure people hear? I think one of the things that was uh, from last summer was that um, there were two other people that were pretty heavily involved early on that helped us with mm-hmm. especially the early booking running a lot of that and um, the sound system and that was June and Nick. Um, June was kind of in charge of the, the sound setup early on and Nick was doing a lot of the booking. Mm-hmm. Um, they both kind of have other jobs and things sure. but you know we really appreciate them and they haven't um, they haven't been included in I think a lot of the, the stuff that's been out already but um, well, shout I, out to them. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of other people were kind of here early on too, helping to set up. Obviously, we talked about like the church, but yeah, yeah, the church at every juncture, even currently, has been uh, an immense help. We would not exist today without the help of the church, even of three months ago. That's yeah. such an interesting partnership. I'm so glad it's worked out for you guys. Like, who yeah. would have thought? Like a, a church in the performance space, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean. Guardian Angels core principle is uh, what they call radical hospitality and they definitely fulfill that in every aspect of their programming so I don't know I always like to take an opportunity to plug all of their programs they do a food pantry on Wednesday mornings they do free hot breakfast before that they um, do homework club on Tuesday nights and they were doing, I think they're trying to bring back um, cooking dinner with some doctors from Hopkins on Thursday night so people can learn a little bit more about like nutritional cooking. Oh, uh, that's great. The thrift shop is open on Saturdays from 10 to 2. Um, and uh, if you want to, I mean, now more than ever, the church could really use hands and help because uh, Pastor Alice was diagnosed with a stage four uh, glioblastoma in oh. her brain. Oh my and goodness. So Sorry she, to hear that. Yeah. So she had surgery and she's undergoing chemo and radiation. And so a lot of the church's responsibilities have had to be reallocated because Alice has been foundational to Guardian Angels work. So like climbing a really tall ladder and cleaning out the gutters and repairing things and chasing away pigeons from the stairwell and things like that. Um, are all like ways that people can help guardian angel because uh, they've really they've like truly lived the idea of like all are welcome um so uh that's thing i would like to add great yeah hopefully people can support them yeah. and um so i i always end because usually i'm talking to bands i end uh what did you what have you learned about being in a band that you would tell a younger person or someone that's trying it out for, it, 
trying it out for the first time. So let's just talk about what have you learned from this process of, of opening a venue that you think might be useful to others. Um, whoever wants to start can jump in. <laughs> never trust the government. <laughs> <laughs> True <laughs> words were never spoken. <laughs> Listen, children. Um, Not I think, even once. I think a, a very valuable thing that I've learned um, about this process is that uh, people people think about DIY as in sort of like individualistic. If you can't, uh, if it's not getting done, you have to like do it yourself or whatever. Um, but when it comes to this magnitude, there are some things that one person cannot do alone. And it takes a lot of uh, togetherness and um, teamwork to get projects like this done. And that is very important. So doing it together is sort of... Do it yourself, but do it together. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I think I've learned more... Uh, so DIY is like do it yourself in instead of having a barrier to the ability to do that mm -hmm. or the permission to do it. Like you don't need an authority and if you want to learn something like learn it and do it and try it rather than being like do it yourself and not anybody else. <laughs> like that's a different way of phrasing what Sean just said, but that's like okay. something I've really like grown into as an idea. Sort of what Sean was saying, we've talked a lot about how, like, and this we talked before we started recording about how it's important to, like, present us as a group of people mm -hmm. doing something because we, like, we talked about with the art space and, like, other things too, is that people will talk to any one of us and, and think that, like, there's just one person that yeah. is, like, in charge of everything. Right. And it's, it, that never happens, I yeah. don't think. And, I mean, one of the things, I guess, advice would be, um, I don't want to say don't open a venue, but like <laughs> we, we, I don't know, like this couldn't happen if it wasn't for these particular set of circumstances with these particular people and these particular like resources, the fact that we already had a PA. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, it sounds like so much came together, like the yeah. space being available, yeah. you guys coming from the other space, like a lot of things had to gel. Yeah. My advice I is think. get really lucky. Yeah. Well, yeah, also, also, I mean, even finding finding spaces like this that exist, that even if you don't run by yourself, most of the time you can rent them out. Like, there are, you know, I mean, again, growing up in the suburbs, like, there were a lot of hardcore and punk shows at the church community center, and everyone knows, like, VFWs and, and stuff like that. Like, that's, that's where I would look, regardless of where you are, especially if you don't have access to a lot of other venues in a, in a city. Yeah, I mean, you could also say like, part of part of what we came into is a lot of like luck, but also I think it's that like we were like we had you know you two had done a lot of background work and were ready for the opportunity. And like I had done a ton of research and I was ready for the opportunity. Yeah. And so, you know, that came from, for me, that came from being really involved in performing arts my whole life and doing research about not just venues, but like I was reading um, like university 
harassment policies. I was looking at resources from the American uh, Library Association. Uh, I was looking at music festivals policies. Like I was doing a significant amount of research, especially in 2016, to see sort of what like how could you actually implement something that would really be functional um, when conflict happened mm -hmm. or when it was brought to your attention? And so it was like, I did not walk into this blind. It wasn't just like, we're just gonna make it better from the beginning. It's an ongoing process and you need to explicitly state your goals. You need to expect that they will not be met and you need to be ready to like follow up and know that you will repeat that cycle and it would it will get it will deepen over time but that it's an ongoing process so like start you know if you're not booking shows start booking shows if you want to get involved with spaces like start volunteering at one like get involved with smaller aspects of the work and like build the experience and build relationships because mm -hmm. then when you want to move or like grow into maybe building something more of your own, you will know how to do that. Or you at least have enough of a framework to be able to like grow into that. Um, you know, really thinking uh, to like use um, more like principles from Emergent Strategy by Adrienne Marie Brown. It's like, you really wanna think uh, fractally. So like starting really small and then scaling up from there. Okay. Well, that's great. Um, so I guess uh, we'll end it there. Thank you so much for your time and uh, good luck with, with all the events. Everything that I've been to here has been great. Uh, everything I've heard about going on here is great. So <laughs> really appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Thank you. So that was the talk with the Undercroft gang. Weren't they so nice? Weren't they so cool? I just love how intentional and thoughtful they are about their space and what they want to do with it. It's such a special place. It's very, very cool. I hope you all, if you haven't been out there, get a chance to. And so I feel like I've been slipping on letting you know about Santa Labrada shows. So I'm going to do that now. I'm going to rattle off a, a list of basically everything we have going on so far. So coming up next, August 30th, we'll be at the sidebar with Audrey too, with friends of the show Holy Fingers, with friends of the show Queen Wolf. You know how great those bands are. 10 Million Spiders will be there, so it's going to be a great time. August 30th, sidebar. Next, speaking of the Undercroft, the next day, August 31st, we're going to be at the Undercroft. We're going to be performing with Milo's Misfits. So this is super interesting. It's a puppet show about a, a guy who needs to make rent, and so he takes on puppets as roommates. So <laughs> they're going to do their thing at 6 o'clock, then we're going to play right after that. So that's Undercroft on the 31st of August. Following that, September 21st, we're going to be back at Hamden Fest. Last year, we were supposed to play, but we got rained out, and it was so disappointing. So we're going to pray for no rain and have a good time this year. So following that, on October 26th, we're going to be at Rituals. If you're subscribed to the show, which I hope you are, you heard my interview with Joseph last time, Joseph from Rituals last time. And so it's so exciting to be able to play that space after learning more about it, after getting to know him a little bit. And to make it even better, Company Calls are going to be performing with us. Uh, so 
if you haven't checked out the Company Calls episode, definitely do that. They're a great band, and uh, I've, I've been wanting to play with them for a while, so this will be really great. The last thing I want to say is I want to make a special request. I mentioned this briefly on a previous episode, but uh, so there's another podcast that started up with the name Cast. I think it's out of LA. They, they interview people involved with the film industry and whatnot. But uh, I've noticed from talking to people that it's become harder to find this show, this uh, Baltimore DC music show, Cast. So if you guys have a minute, if you could do me the huge favor of going on your iTunes, going on whatever you use to listen to this, listen to the show, and, uh, and giving it a rating, rate if you feel like it leave a comment uh i'd love to get some feedback through comments and by doing that you'll make this show a little easier to find for those of us that are looking for this anyway i'm not a big fan of having to to ask people for that but if you if you just had a minute i'd really appreciate it also of course let people know about the show uh this is supposed to be music community so let your friends in the music community know about it and i would be very grateful Thanks so much. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks so much to the Undercroft team. It was a blast talking to you, and we'll be back next time.